Welcome to the Progress Texas Happy Hour. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Chris Mosier here and welcoming you back to the Progress Texas Happy Hour for this week, which is, you know, I feel like we say this every week, but it's been an extraordinarily crazy week in Texas <laughs> politics. We do have uh, quite a bit to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, coming up on Friday, anyway, we've got uh, uh, Progress Texas President Ed Espinoza, who is below me in the frame. We also have uh, comms manager Wesley Story, who's a caddy corner in the frame here, and uh, Miss Diana Gomez, who is Progress Texas advocacy manager. Uh, largely the uh, the usual crew, Sotvik still out uh, doing his paternity thing. So uh, Chris Mosier here uh, once again, you know, stepping out from the shadows to fill in, and uh, glad to, uh, to to be had in such a way. Uh, let's start off before we get to the nitty gritty with our uh, usual icebreaker, uh, which involves uh, Simone Biles, who, of course, has turned out to be a very dramatic situation, uh, dramatic in a very different way than anybody expected it to be. And I would argue in some ways even more meaningful uh, than it would have been had she performed as we had expected her to. And so the uh, the question this uh, this time to get into the discussion is what did each of you personally take away from that entire situation in terms of the meaningfulness of uh, of what happened with Ms. Biles? Wesley, you start. So I would agree. I would say it may have been even more meaningful. I already had a lot of love and respect for Simone Biles. Just I really admire her as an athlete and a gymnast. But now I really think of her as a true role model when it comes to how we should live our lives. So I think one of the major and key things that I took away is sometimes we need to take a step back from our jobs, from whatever it is that may be causing mental health issues or anxiety, and that's okay. Um, Not everyone's gonna be 100% all the time, and I think that's okay. I think the world would be a lot better if there were more people like Simone Biles to call attention to this issue. Um, In my mind, she's still the GOAT um, to see her come back and win a bronze medal after all of that that took place just shows that she, I mean, is a true athlete, but also now a mental health um, advocate as well. So, Ed, what about you? You know, this is something I've actually spent quite a bit of time on. Um, I think the main thing I, I learned from this was to reserve judgment until you know a little bit more about what's going on. And, you know, seeing some of the the uh, critics of her initially just showed that people really had no idea what was going on. But it, on, a, on a higher level, I think it showed me that a lot of these people who had critics of her either didn't play team sports or maybe didn't play sports with a team spirit. Because as somebody who has competed in sports, one of the things I looked at was this, at this was uh, if you are not prepared to, to be a good teammate on the field, then you are actually a detriment to your team. And in this case, with a sport like gymnastics, you could be a detriment to yourself. Um, let's keep in mind that Simone Biles fell off the floor during the floor, during the floor routine. Uh, she missed her landing in uh, in when she was, I think, on on the vault doing practices. Uh, she had other issues of mental clarity. Like these are real problems, not only for yourself but for your team. When I was in high school, I knew a lot of people who did gymnastics. I knew a guy who broke both wrists while doing giants. Giants are those things where you just kind of do like a full 360 swing while holding onto one bar, and uh, it was just because his concentration wasn't there and his uh, his grips locked up. So uh, you know, I think that. Um, Sports is as much a mental game as it is a physical commitment, and we often forget that. Uh, so I think what she did was the right thing. Nobody competes 
and, and, and prepares their whole life to step down from a chance to win a medal. Like, is this completely lost on people? So I think what she did was... Uh, it was extremely tough. Ultimately, it was the right thing to do. And we've already seen other athletes come out and talk about the the mental uh, uh, strength, strengths and weaknesses that go with being in the Olympics. I forget which one. I think it was somebody in track and field who talked about it, too. So I thought it was an important mo- uh, moment. It took me a while to really process what it meant. But ultimately, that's that's where I landed. I'll go next year. Uh, we're hoping to get Diana back here at some point. She kind of unexpectedly left the building, but I think she'll she'll be back momentarily. <laughs> I'm sure she has good things to say. Uh, I, I hate to – I always devolve everything back to football metaphors, and I definitely have seen mm-hmm. my share of football games where you have a quarterback who has taken a hard hit or is otherwise, you know, compromised either through injury or through just having been shaken up by a hard hit that gets back in there and then continues mm-hmm. to kind of crater – Uh, And I have often wondered if that has been a product of ego or if that's been a product of bad coaching or, you know, a lot of uh, the the atmosphere of football is definitely one where you try to play hurt. You try to get in there and play hurt. And what you learn frequently in a key position like that is that is not good for the team. It would have been better to let the the second stringer come Mm -hmm. in and, and try to cover that gap. And so. I was really proud of Simone Biles for for having stepped aside as she did for her team. Uh, it also shows, you know, and this part is really not so much surprising. It shows just a, a basic ethical divide that we see in our politics that uh, that now ranges to every different issue that we ever talk about on this podcast and through Progress Texas in terms of the way you can expect the other side to react to what they perceive as weakness or quitting when it actually is something that is uh, is is tied to true proper self care as well as a deeper regard and a deeper understanding of what teamwork is supposed to be about. There's a fundamental misunderstanding on the general right side in the media. I think that that we saw and just, you know, pettiness and meanness that we really shouldn't be all that surprised by anymore. She also came back and kicked ass. Like that's, I think an important thing to keep in mind here, right? Like she did end up coming back. I can't remember which was it the, uh, was it the high bar or was it the vault that she came back to at the end? She got Um, bronze on balance beam. Balance beam. Yeah. That's what I meant by high bar. Yeah. I mean, God, she's still like, she's still the goat, you know? Exactly. I mean, she's still the greatest of all time. And even with her not being a part of the team or some of the other individual competitions, you know, the U.S. gymnastics team still won a bunch of medals. Suni Lee was able to get gold and all around. And then because Simone Biles didn't do vault, Michaela Skinner, who had never actually gotten a medal at the Olympics, was able to come back. She was originally not going to be able to compete. And so she got to compete on that event and she ended up winning um, silver in that. So it also opened up the door for other athletes to compete in the competition too and that's like the true team spirit of the sport right like when your team can help carry you when you can't carry the team and i think that that's maybe a a storyline that isn't getting enough attention here but i hope when we look back on these olympic games that we're able to like see that team element more so than just the what you know what happened with one individual well, let's move along to the uh, to the the great big team that, that ought to be a team, but is frequently not a very unified team, and that would be the general population of the state of Texas. And our supposedly fearless leader, Greg Abbott, uh, will get on to the fact that he just in the last uh, few hours has called the second special consecutive session that will start on Saturday. But let's start with the fact that he is now being called out on a national and worldwide stage, along with uh, Ron DeSantis in Florida, 
for being one of the all-time greatest of all time uh, inactive and, and ineffective governors in terms of what he's willing to do to counter a major uh, nationwide worldwide health crisis by literally not only doing nothing about COVID, but not letting anyone else do anything about COVID. Uh, with President Biden weighing in that he wishes he'd just step out of the way. I saw a um, I saw a note on Twitter, or I'm sorry, a tweet on Twitter. Note: I saw a tweet on Twitter that said, uh, "If Abbott wanted the Delta variant to rage and just grow and expand in Texas, what would he do differently than what he's doing right now?" <laughs> yeah, it's and it's point. a pretty good question because I think it's pretty it's a pretty accurate question. Um, it. I don't understand what he I mean, I understand that he's like going towards the politics of this situation and that he doesn't want to do anything to upset his uninformed and un, unaligned uh, far right base. But to what cost? Like we're running out of ICU beds in the state. Kids are at risk now. and We're about to go back to school. It's just uh, it's crazy. Just to give a little bit of context, I mean, what you said, Chris, is so true. It's not just that he's not taking action because he has taken a few actions. The problem is that the actions that he he's taken have specifically made it to where we can't do anything about this crisis. So he's issued a few executive orders or disaster declarations, which um, ban mask requirements and governmental entities. So that means like schools, cities can no longer require masks. He's also banned vaccine requirements and governmental entities. So these counties that in the past have maybe had a little been a little bit more empowered to take action to help their residents, especially in counties with really um, large populations where we know that the pandemic can spread really quickly, they're not being able to do the same stuff that they've been able to do in the past because Abbott has specifically used disaster declarations to make it to where they can't take action on a disaster. You know, one of the things that, to, to use a phrase that Glenn Smith has used on our team is he says that uh, Governor Abbott is using his emergency powers to make it harder for localities to, to, to enact emergency measures. And it's really frustrating because on the one hand, you're like, what what the hell can they do? And on the other hand, you're like, well, I guess that's just Texas, right? You know, we, we express confusion. And I think I think by expressing confusion at uh, at the way uh, Governor Abbott is playing his hand uh, is maybe is perhaps too generous, because I think that deep down uh, everyone here and most of us watching understand that the reason he's doing what he's doing is to please his voting base. Right. He's looking to keep himself into, you know, keep, keep the base happy. And this, you know, I've, I've made my career largely in radio and I'll use a radio metaphor here. There's a reason that a lot of commercial radio stations play really bad music. And that's because they play music that they know their audience already wants to hear. They're in the business of giving people what they already want, as opposed to what they need, which might be some better music perhaps, or some newer artists or something like that. I think it's a parallel situation here where the the situation is uh, it's obvious what Governor Abbott should do to help the people of Texas. But that happens to be the opposite of what his base wants him to do. And so he's going with the base. And it's it's as simple as that, really. And I think then the question becomes, how many people have to die? How many people have to get sick before he changes his mind, before he actually starts to take action? Um, and that's the question we should all be asking him right now. 
Yeah, and, and the other question I would, maybe not a question we should be asking him, but kind of a question we should ask ourselves is, at what point will voters hold Abbott accountable? Because we know that Texas has been this Republican, has just been, I don't want to say it's a Republican state, but it's been run by Republicans for so long. And we know that Abbott has been losing independence. He's been losing independent voters by 20 point margins for about the past year. Um, and that's one of the reasons I think he's doubling down on his conservative base is because he's trying to consolidate as many Republicans as he can and just rely on that core. I mean, his, his numbers are not good. They're in the 40s, which is not good for somebody trying to seek a third term as governor. But at what point will voters hold him accountable? And if making it hard to stop a, a, uh, a disease that can kill you is not it, I honestly don't know what is. Diana, since we lost you, let's have you weigh in on uh, are you surprised or not by what we've seen from Governor Abbott over the last few weeks? Yes, I'm back. I thought Ericot had cut off my Internet, but I'm here (laughs) (laughs) fighting through it. Um, I it's 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 hard to to say I'm 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 shocked, but but yes, definitely, especially seeing other Republican governors. the latest one in, in Arkansas, uh, but there have been many others across the country that are real have realized, including other, um, you know, GOP members, including even anchors on Fox News that are encouraging people to get vaccinated, telling people to consider wearing masks now. Everyone's going back knowing that there's no way we're going to get out of this pandemic unless we listen to doctors, follow science. And so Abbott needs to listen to what his fellow Republicans and what the rest of his party is doing and grow a conscience because he has none. And at this point, it's it's the most cruel thing. We're picking on Governor Abbott here for a moment, but really right in line with what Diana is talking about, that there are other Republican leaders across the country who are now beginning to you know realize that this is a real emergency that has to be reacted to. You're not seeing that out of Ted Cruz. You're not seeing that out of John Cornyn. Uh, those guys are talking about COVID, but they're talking about the border and the notion that uh, that immigration across the border is bringing in COVID. We got news for you guys. It's already here. Yeah. Also, um, I don't see I don't see migrants coming from Mexico hanging out in the country clubs where people are getting COVID right now. It's all the people who aren't wearing masks and think that COVID is a hoax that are getting uh, th- that are coming down with this. This is a pandemic of the unvaccinated right now. Uh, and if you really want to do something about COVID at the border, the border we need to be talking about is the border around the state of Texas and maybe even around the state of Florida, because those are the two states where it's most uh, where Delta is is growing at the fastest rate right now. Yeah. I also, you know, I think part of that is just because our Texas Republicans are a special breed. But there's also back to what we were talking about with Simone Biles. I think a lot of people see admitting that you were wrong as a show of weakness when in reality it's a show of strength. So what Diana was mentioning about these Republicans who are actually going back and saying, no, I was wrong. Um, in Arkansas, Governor Asa Hutchinson called for a special session of the state legislator because he signed a man or a, he signed a ban on mask mandates and he's saying no like we need to allow for schools to make that decision for themselves so he's admitting his his um mistake instead of folks like abbott who just double down on these um 
just misguided and petty moves. And so at the end of the day, it's people's lives that we're putting at stake. And Abbott needs to understand that and acknowledge that he's not been doing what Texans need. He's Since the beginning of this pan- pandemic, he's made mistake after mistake. Now is the time to actually do what is right for the state that he is supposed to govern. Didn't the Alabama governor also flip on something recently in the past month or so? I, I thought there, you know, what, you know what I think it was? I think she came out and encouraged people to get the vaccine, which in a nor- parallel universe is not news. But unfortunately, in the upside down that we're living in, it's is a major milestone for a Republican elected official to come out and say that. But uh, look, Republican governors are recognizing that this is real. And uh, unfortunately, uh, Governor Abbott uh, is not. There was one uh, little two day window there where a lot of these folks were actually starting to talk about uh, encouraging people to get vaccines. I had noticed that that came right after a big dip in the stock market, which, of course, then kind of corrected itself. I wonder if that wasn't just a Band-Aid for the stock market they were looking at there. Uh, Parents across Texas are freaking out about what's going on with uh, Texas public schools. Uh, Mm -hmm. Here in Austin, I'm not sure about the other major metros here in Austin, the Austin Independent School District has decided to go ahead and roll out uh, a an online option for the younger students, uh, kids K through six, which will be on their dime uh, because the uh, the state is still holding still the TEA, you know, even I'm sure under the direction of Abbott uh, is holding fast to their policy of only wanting to pay for in person learning this semester. So AISD will actually go into debt. To, uh, to help the younger kids stay out of uh, harm's way. We're seeing more and more uh, of these uh, Delta variant oriented cases uh, involving much younger people than were typically afflicted you know, in the early stages of the pandemic. Uh, what's our advice for parents? How, wh- what to do, where to go at this point? Oof. Um, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I'm not a parent. I, I think, Chris, I think you might be the only one on here who, who is, but, um, you know, a lot of my friends are most, almost all of my friends are. And yeah, I had lunch with uh, Carrie Collier Brown the other day from uh, Left in Texas from your, yes. your other podcast. Uh, and small, uh, small kids, a very, very worrisome situation for them. Yeah. And the, w- one of the things we talked about was how this is a major issue. Like, are you going to homeschool your kids? Or are you going to send your kids to school? Because, the, I mean, she's got kids that aren't old enough to get the vaccine. And this is something that is like moving quickly through schools. And not just that, but like, what are the, think about the teachers as well, right? Um, I've got another friend nearby, uh, lives nearby in a different school district who has the same issue and is constantly asking, can somebody file a lawsuit on this? Can it be the teachers unions? Can it be the school districts? Can it be anybody to at least try to give us some sort of a fight here? So it's helpful to see like Williamson County, uh, AISD, I think that Harris County decided that they were going to do something about masks as well. Uh, I think that all of these localities need to come out and just oppose the governor's mandate. Because here's the thing, the governor, what, what is the penalty? Like $1,000 a day penalty for flouting his order or something like that? He doesn't have a collection agency. Like, what's he going to do? He can't take on all 254 counties. I think if they all come out against his order, it's going to be really difficult for him to enforce. It's just going to, you know, he's going to have to fold. And maybe that's the answer here. But short of that, um, it sure would be good to see some legal action. 
when the options are save lives or listen to Governor Greg Abbott, it's a very clear decision. And at the end of the day, we need to do what we know is right. We need to get vaccinated. We need to wear masks. If we have young children or schools have young children who aren't able to get vaccinated and are put at a higher risk because of that, then they need to make the decisions that are right for the children that they're supposed to be taking care of. And screw whatever Greg Abbott has to say at the end of the day. I mean, when it comes to, Wesley, like you were saying, saving our children or saving a grown man who's acting like a child in the name of politics and being right and acting like a angry tyrant. Um, you know, you, you have to choose the children. And this issue, you know, even though I don't have children either, I think it's so important for us who aren't around children, um, but who are vaccinated to still remember the importance of wearing masks, um, regardless if we're vaccinated in different spaces, because if we get sick, we could always still pass that along to unvaccinated people. And that includes kids under 12 years old. And that's the thing I always try to keep in mind. You know, I, I know I'm vaccinated and I'm trying to act safe, but I'm going to keep my mask on because I might run into someone at the store or, or someone else who has a young kid at home. You, you know, something else to keep in mind here, even even those of us who don't have kids, like if you if you're planning a family like there, there are real issues with the potential of of harming a pregnancy during this uh, during this pandemic as well. So, you know, I mean, it really just hits across the board. And Abbott only needs to do a few things to make it easier for everybody. But he's reluctant to do that because he needs a few more voters to make it out of a primary. Kind of that same calculus, I would say you might be able to apply in the inverse uh, to the mayors of our major cities. I don't see where. Uh, Mayor Nirenberg or Mayor Adler has a whole lot of political damage to take from defying the governor's orders and choosing instead to protect their cities and protect their citizens and and their children. So, uh, you know, what outside of a fine, which that all ends up worked out through budgets or whatever, probably. I mean, to me, you know, my personal call would be for the the mayors of our major cities to uh, to stand up to Governor Abbott right now. Yes, let's let's roll uh, on to the uh, the special session, which will be special session number two, not so special session, we should say, uh, that has just been called, as we mentioned a second ago, a fairly extensive agenda. Uh, is it identical to the first session agenda, or is it does it just not include anything important either? Oh my God, it's like every Republican boogeyman thing that you can think of is on there. They got border security, they got social media censorship. Ironically, they also have this critical race theory, which is censorship itself. These guys have no sense of self-awareness and all the, the terrible stuff that they've tried to pass, they keep putting it on there. You know, Abbott needs to keep putting it on there because again, he's trying to consolidate his conservative base, but it's just, it, it, it's, it's a, a basket of deplorable issues over and over again. And, uh, you know, who knows if there will be another special session or what will happen, but it's it's just it's it's like a uh, it's like a rerun at this point. Yeah, it's not exactly the same as the first special session, so the call is a little bit different. But even I was reading through it earlier and I saw education was on it, so I got excited. I was like, "Oh, maybe they'll actually do something, you know, about the COVID or all of the problems that we're seeing." No, it literally just it literally just reiterates all the same stuff we've been talking about. So, some of the um, priorities that he has listed under education is in-person learning, 
Um, wearing face coverings is not mandatory. COVID vaccinations are always voluntary. So it's just a repeat of the same stuff that we've seen from him. I feel like it's that movie Groundhog Day where it's just, <laughs> I can't, I feel like I'm going, I'm losing my mind. Like, how is this happening again? And you're right, Wesley. It's a little different. I feel like it's like the same, but like uh, featuring other toxic artists, like a remix of the a terrible song that we've already heard that we don't want to hear again. Um, and I just wanted to stop and to hear to see him tweeting and announcing, like, I'll just keep doing this again. Um, like a song you can't get out of your head. Yeah. Well, once again, on this topic, are we giving the seriousness of the Republican Party too much credence? I mean, are they really there to get these agenda items done or are they just simply continuing the siege that they are now basically foisting upon the, the Democrats who continue uh, denying their quorum by hanging out in D.C.? Uh, make no mistake, if they if they have the opportunity to get it done, they will, right? Like think about all the crazy things they've done in the past. This this year, they said uh, they're just they just don't have the votes for permitless carry, and then they went and got permitless carry. And a couple years ago, when they said they didn't have the votes for open carry, well, they went and got the votes for open carry. Like uh, I've said it before, but like my motto with the Texas legislature is it can always get worse, and I think that <laughs> this agenda is here. It's an example of they're 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 absolutely trying to go for all of these things. And it sounds crazy if you don't follow the legislature that closely or if you're not in Texas. It's easy to think that some of the things we're saying are just exaggerated for the purposes of political uh, advantage. But the thing is, it's not like this is really crazy stuff that they push here. It's this. Anyway, that's that's where we're at. I mean, these items are messaging vehicles for them, but they're still going to try to pass them if they have the opportunity to. That voter suppression bill, they're going to try to pass it no matter what, but it is also serving as a messaging vehicle. Their anti-abortion legislation, they're going to get it passed if they can, but it is also another messaging vehicle. So it serves two purposes for them, and both are just as bad. But I mean, that's why we need to keep showing up as we're able. You know, COVID and Delta is going to make it a little bit harder over the next month to get folks out to the Capitol. But in whatever way we can, whether that's online, social media, um, outside protesting, socially distanced, we need to keep fighting because we need to show them that you can keep calling special session after special session, um, but Texans are still going to be there to stop you because these issues are important. We need to give them the seriousness that they deserve. I agree with all of your calls to action, Wesley, because I feel like at a certain point, they can only attempt to take so much from us that they eventually take any fear that we have. And we start fighting back even harder than before. Um, and, and part of that was the Democrats saying, you know what, this is the last straw. Y'all have gone too far. We're going to go to D.C. and fight this. And they're going to bring that same fight back if and when they, they, they might come back or, or might not. They're going to keep that going. And I think we need to continue um, in that direction, too, of finding every tool in the toolbox to fight back our representatives, senators, and the same with city leaders um, fighting back against Abbott, against his his tyrannical, like, uh, you know, anti, you know, COVID or, or not helping us protect us against COVID measures. Um, you know, we just all need to fight back and, and say we've had enough. Other governors are getting their senses back. It's time for you to get yours. And a couple, uh, something else to remember is um, Democrats have succeeded in killing that anti-voter bill twice. 
They've killed the bill twice, once at the end of the regular session and once here at the special session. And in doing it, they've also killed a lot of these other terrible issues. Now, what will happen in another not so special session or in the future? Look, hard to say. And we're still relying on some sort of relief at the federal level. But so far, uh, look, they're getting it done. So you guys, we're, we're coming up on the end here in just a couple of minutes. You guys have been, this might be a little bit out of left field, but uh, I know Progress Texas has been in conference with the lawmakers in D.C. Do we have any indication that they're making any progress, getting any help out of the federal level at this point? Or, or is there any other news to report from them? I think personally, I think we've seen all kinds of progress over the past month that they've been in D.C. I mean, they testified in front of Congress. They've met with very key lawmakers, but Senator Manchin, other important senators, important House members. So I think this entire trip in itself was a success, even if we don't necessarily see that federal voting rights legislation passed immediately. But we know that it's now top of mind for Congress. So maybe they won't recess and maybe they'll attempt to pass something or maybe they'll attempt to pass it when they come back. But it's an issue that they've brought national attention to and they've kept it in the spotlight this entire time while they've been in D.C. So I would say all of that has been successful, in my opinion. It was a huge undertaking to get their entire caucus into DC to begin with, and then to maintain that um, and keep everyone there for the entire month, even under threats from Abbott and the other Republican legislators. Wesley talked about a spotlight on the issue. Um, What I think is so important is they put a national spotlight on the issue. And, you know, we've said this before, I think it bears repeating, that voter suppression is not just a Texas issue. 17 states passed anti-voter bills since January 1st this year. And it's not over yet. They're still trying to make it harder to vote. It's happening all over the place. So it's it's good that that the Texans, uh, that the Texas House Democrats went to D.C., it's even better that they shine a light on this, what is very much a national issue right now. And just really quickly, another issue that I think is important to acknowledge and then also to give them credit for, they've really, um, Abbott's painted himself into a corner and the Dems going to DC has delayed any movement on the um, veto that he enacted to try to coerce them into passing his voter suppression legislation. So we're still waiting on the Texas Supreme Court to make a decision about that veto. But if they don't, the deadline is very quickly approaching. I mean, they really need to take action by like August 20th. And if by that point, Abbott hasn't reinstated the funding for the Texas legislator, then he's kind of out of luck. Like he created this problem and it's a problem that he needs to answer. And the Dems are really putting the ball in his court when it comes to that issue. So... And Republicans run out of money, too, not just the Democrats. It's a both sides issue. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And so since we're uh, just about to wrap here, uh, we lost Diana at the very beginning of the Progress Texas Happy Hour. And I wanted to give Diana a chance to answer the icebreaker question because I know she really wanted to. Uh, (laughs) Diana, what what did you most uh, personally take away from in terms of meaningfulness? What sort of lesson did you take away from the entire Simone Biles drama? I mean... Obviously, immediately, I realize when there is a problem, like a technical issue at the beginning, step back, try to figure it out, and then make a comeback, just like she did. Um, but besides that, I think the, the biggest thing was realizing when your mental health is at stake, nothing is worth um, sacrificing that. 
and that no matter, even if you have the world watching you, if you feel everything is on your shoulders, to always put that and prioritize that first. Um, and, and I just loved watching her do that and thinking, like trying to reflect back to see if there's anything in my life that's overwhelming me and if it's actually worth it or not. And to see um, such an amazing Texan, such an amazing woman of color do that and have show that as an example to, to other, uh, other women, other athletes, other Texans, I thought was just amazing. And it's starting that conversation. Now I hear it more and more um, in, in the sports world and during the Olympics. Um, so I think that was my biggest takeaway. Very good. Well, that's going to do it, guys. A great conversation as always today. Uh, Diana Gomez, Wesley Story, Ed Espinosa. Uh, if you've been listening uh, in podcast form to our uh, Progress Texas Happy Hour, we appreciate you doing that. Do make sure and subscribe and share us with your friends. Everybody uh, here on social media who's been watching, we appreciate your eyeballs as well. Uh, we want to remind everyone to please, please take care of yourselves and you know, let's mask up. Uh, make sure and talk all your, you know, every, I, I have discovered I have three unvaccinated friends over the last few weeks. And so I'm working hard on all those people. Yes, we got. So anybody, you know, or anybody, you know, that knows someone who is uh, as of yet unconvinced to get on board and join the winning team. Uh, let's keep those conversations going and, and see if we can't get all that done. Uh, we'll do this again for you next week. Thanks so much. Check out ProgressTexas.com for everything Progress Texas does for progress in the great state of Texas. And uh, we'll catch you again next time we do this. Thanks for watching and listening. Bye, y'all. Thanks, y'all. The Progress Texas Happy Hour is a production of Progress Texas, a rapid response media organization promoting progressive messages and actions. Find us online at progresstexas.org and on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. The podcast is produced by me, Chris Mosier, with music by Walker Lukens. Please subscribe and share, and thanks so much for listening. See you again next week.